Hemingway's book titles should be awarded first prize in any contest. Each of them is a poem, and their mysterious power over readers contributes to Hemingway's success. His titles have a life of their own, and they have enriched the American vocabulary. Sylvia Beach Welcome to a bonus episode of the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and I say bonus episode because just a few minutes ago I posted the normal episode for today, which is about reading history. Well, I got to thinking about how reading is influenced a lot by those who sell us the books that we read. And a lot of the times, they're anonymous, as are most shopkeepers. But when it comes to books, especially from a particular period in history, there is a person that you need to know. She hasn't been revised out of history. She's just been kind of forgotten. And that's a shame, because she is, more than anyone else, the patron saint of booksellers. Let's meet... Sylvia Beach. Almost 100 years ago, American Sylvia Beach opened the now famous Shakespeare and Company bookstore in Paris, and her memoir of the same name chronicles the roughly 25 years that her shop was the center of the literary world. Before delving into the particulars of this wonderful book, It's probably best to clear up any confusion over the store itself. In another well-known book, Time Was Soft There, Jeremy Mercer chronicles his time at Shakespeare and Company. However, the store Mercer writes about is not the store Sylvia Beach founded, but one that another expatriate American, George Whitman, opened in 1951 and renamed Shakespeare and Company after Ms. Beach's death. In what was either a double homage or a case of grand larceny, depending on your viewpoint, Whitman not only took the name of Sylvia Beach's bookstore for his shop, he also took her name as well. His only daughter is named Sylvia Beach Whitman, and she now runs his Shakespeare and Company. The original Sylvia Beach started Shakespeare and Company in 1919 with $3,000 borrowed from her mother. As is the case with independent booksellers to this day, it was never a lucrative enterprise, but rather a labor of love. She began the store as a lending library for those looking for books in English, charging a small monthly membership fee. This practice was quite common in the early part of the last century, but has essentially vanished today. As time went on, she began selling more books than she loaned, but the shop's fortunes remained tenuous for its entire existence. What makes Shakespeare and Company, the memoir, so appealing is the melding of Beach's light anecdotal writing style with the monumental people about whom she writes. This is more than a book about a bookstore. It's a chronicle of the writers, artists, publishers, and others who essentially made the shop their second home throughout the 1920s and 1930s. And while anyone writing a memoir likes to drop a name or two, the names in Shakespeare and Company stand out a bit. 
One of Sylvia's best customers in those early days was a young, unknown writer named Ernest Hemingway. He was covering sports for a Canadian newspaper at the time, and it was to Sylvia and her longtime partner, Adrienne Monnier, that Hemingway read his first short story. Hemingway and his wife, Hadley, later introduced them to the grand sport of boxing. She knew all the so-called lost generation writers, and her memoir contains stories about Hemingway, Ezra Pound, John Passos, T.S. Eliot, Robert McAlman, Thornton Wilder, Gertrude Stein, and Alice B. Toklas. It was Sylvia Beach who took F. Scott Fitzgerald to meet James Joyce when Fitzgerald was too nervous to go alone. Her relationship with James Joyce and his family takes up a good part of the book, and with good reason. By her own admission, Sylvia Beach worshipped James Joyce. Her shop became an office of sorts for him. He met with other writers there, received his mail there, as did many other writers who had no stable address, and read through the inventory of the bookstore. But Sylvia Beach's greatest contribution to both Joyce and literature was offering to publish his novel Ulysses when it had been rejected as obscene by his publishers in England and America. The trials of publishing and distributing Ulysses are interesting, not only as history, but as a cautionary tale against censorship even today. Because she felt that authors deserved to be paid more for their work than the people who published them, she took no royalties from her publication of Ulysses and nearly sent herself and the bookstore into bankruptcy covering the costs and expenses. It was only the intervention of several writer friends that saved her from having to close her doors permanently. But she seemed not to be concerned about what happened to her as long as Joyce's novel made it to the readers who clamored for it. While she was able to stave off bankruptcy, like many others, she was unable to withstand the Nazi menace moving across Europe. And the store finally closed following the German occupation of Paris. Shakespeare and Company is a quick read, although you may have to look around a bit to find it. It's a glimpse into an amazing time in the history of American literature, a wonderful chronicle of a bygone era, and a fine portrait of the woman to whom Hemingway gave his highest praise. No one, he wrote in A Movable Feast, was ever nicer to me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you're finding this podcast both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll help us create more content and go a long way toward making this podcast completely ad-free. Thanks again.